0: Don't have a good- Hi,
1: everybody. Welcome and happy Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us um, for another amazing chat and learn with Power to Fly. I'm so excited to introduce you to our amazing speakers. But before we do, I just have a couple of real quick um, housekeeping items to go over with you. And then we will get started. Um, one thing I am going to highlight real quick is that if you are joining us um, and, and you are not one of the speakers, uh, make sure that you're on mute. Um, it's just to maintain audio clarity for everybody else on the call. Um, So let's jump in here. Um, Welcome. I'm super excited to be here. My name is Meg, in case you haven't um, seen me on another chat and learn recently. I'll be your host today and I'll be the one helping to facilitate this interactive um, vibe that we try and strive for with our audience. So you are more than welcome to participate. You can come off mute. You can turn your cameras on if you'd like to share your smiling maskless faces with us safely. Um, You can submit questions, uh, comments, add additional context if yours is one of the questions we go over. Um, You can do all of this um, uh, and more as much as you would like so that you guys really get to interact with our speakers today, as well as get the questions that you want to know answered. Um, If you do come off mute for any reason, you will show up on the live recording of this this session today. So if you have privacy concerns, just stay on mute, but you can still participate by putting questions, comments, or contacts into the group thread, or you can DM me directly to be kept anonymous. Um, Like I said, this is being recorded. So everybody that registered for today's session, whether they uh, stay for five minutes, stay for the full 60, or if you registered hoping to catch the rewatch later, hi, future viewers. Um, Everybody that that registered will get an email in about one to two business days with a link to where they can rewatch this recording on our website. Um, If one of our amazing speakers today says something just unbelievable and you cannot wait to share it with a friend or a relative or coworker, no worries. You can head over to our YouTube channel. We are um, we are at Power to Fly on YouTube, and the recording from today's session will be available there usually within about ten to fifteen minutes of the end of today's session. Um, again, please make sure that if you are not one of the speakers or myself, please make sure you're on mute right now. I do see a bunch of people joining us, so welcome. I'm super excited to have you. Um, let's see what else. Oh, you can keep up with us on various social channels. We are at Power to Fly on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as YouTube. And yeah that's uh, kind of all I've got to say for now Um, and I'm really eager to dive into this session so let's get started with our speakers today. So joining us first we have Chrissy. Chrissy is the Director of Technical Enablement and Technical Account Management at Datadog. She has over 15 years experience working in the monitoring industry and enjoys working closely with some of the largest customers to find creative solutions to each of their unique use cases. Christy is a mother of two girls, lives in Boulder, Colorado, with her husband and family. So welcome, Christy. Thank you, Maggie. Joining her from the DataDog team is going to be Marcia. Marcia is a regional director of enterprise sales at DataDog. She has over 22 years of experience in sales and over 18 in the tech industry. She enjoys navigating the complexities that come with introducing new and emerging technologies to the Fortune 100. Um, She's also deeply inspired to be the best leader for her team and for their professional growth. She lives in San Francisco and is an avid runner, skier, and SUP racer. You're going to have to tell us what SUP is, uh, Marcia, because I'm not familiar.
2: Stand up paddleboarding.
1: Oh, I didn't know that was a racing thing. Yeah. Well, now I've got a new, a new uh, activity I want to get into this summer. That's it's, awesome. it's really fun. Um, yeah, it's great. All right. So thank you so much for, to both of you for joining us today. I'm really excited to dig in on the questions. Um, before we get to those, I just want to highlight real quickly that Datadog is hiring. So, in case you are, you know, you're, you, you want to learn some more about Datadog or you're just interested in kind of seeing what the company has going on, maybe you're even an active job seeker, I definitely recommend that you head over to Datadog's company page and check them out. I'm going to send a link here in the thread in just a moment to where you can check out their company page on PowerFly. So, what it's going to look like, it's going to look like the screen that you see in front of you. Um, Let's see here, let me throw my link in here, Um, and when you go to this page, you'll be able to see, you know, everything that's in front of you, and actually they have more than, they've got 416 open jobs listed right now, as opposed to the 353 you see on screen. Um, When you get to this page, at the upper right-hand corner of the page is going to be a follow button. You can click that if you're interested in learning more about Datadog, especially if you want to stay on their radar. Um, and want to make sure that you are updated about new roles that get posted with them, as well as keeping you on their radar before you even fill out an an application. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, And then I guess we'll just kind of jump into some of the questions we're gonna go over today. Um, So what we tried to do um, with all of the questions that y'all pre-submitted ahead of today's event is we condensed them and we tried to arrange them in somewhat of a conversational format. Now, um, the principal themes for today's conversation obviously are coming a little bit from the speakers themselves, but they're also from the questions that you all asked. So if you, um, if you see one of your questions come up, that's great. If you submitted a question, but you're not sure if we're going to get to it or not, please feel free to you know, either resubmit it in the chat, DM me directly, or you can come off mute and ask the question directly to our speakers. Um, if you do want to come off mute and ask your question, that's awesome. Do your best to not interrupt um, either of our speakers, so either Christy or Marcia or um, any of our other participants. I get paid to fill the silence, so you're more than welcome to uh, interrupt me when I'm speaking. And same rules apply for the rest of the chat. If you are not actively speaking, try and make sure that you're on mute. I'll be doing this a lot so that nobody has to hear the bulldogs snoring out in the hallway outside my office where they're pouting because they're not allowed in here. so don't, don't fret about that. And if I do mute you, it's just to make sure audio clarity is fine. I'm not going to mute anybody that's speaking. Um, so for today's conversation, just know that these are the, co- the the topics we're going to try and cover, but we also want you to feel like you can direct the conversation. So if one of the speakers says something awesome and you'd love to get some more detail on that, please, please participate. Let us know what you want to learn today. Um, so what we're going to try and go over today are the actionable steps that you can take to achieve success in the tech field. We're also gonna talk a little bit about the skills that you need to develop if you want to become a real leader in the space. And then we are also gonna talk a little bit about some of the talking points you can use to start the conversation around career progression with your managers, which can be kind of difficult depending on the industry you're in, when you know maybe people don't seem to be very uh, encouraging of your growth and upward mobility there. Um, so I'm really excited to start digging into these questions Um, To get us started, I'm going to direct, I'm going to posit the questions to both of you, Um, if one or one of you wants to jump in on them first, that's great, Um, and that way we can make sure I'm not, you know, singling somebody out to answer a question that really, you know, the other person would be better suited for. Um, So, to get us started with the questions here, um, let's go with the first one that, this was a really popular submitted question, actually. This person says, I was promoted to a director level position by the CEO of my company, but my boss degrades the work that I do. How would you handle this situation? So Christy or Marcia, have either of you ever been in this position where you get you get that kind of recognition or you get that, um, that boost from somebody, but maybe your immediate supervisor is not real supportive?
2: I would say that hasn't quite happened to me yet, so I feel lucky. Um, Christy, I don't know about you, but I feel lucky, I think, I think to answer the question the best way possible, not having had that experience, but is in that case, there can be many different reasons why maybe your, your director um, or or your direct manager isn't supportive. But I think using in general, using data, you're going to hear me say this a lot, using hard data and um, measurements of like your work and your output is the most compelling way to probably get that person to uh, fall in line or have to be able to continue to have conversations with them about, you know, why you're in the role that you're in and what success looks like. Yeah,
3: I I agree. So I've also been fortunate where I've always had supportive bosses uh, that I've reported into. Uh, so I've never been in this type of a situation, but I mean, of course, if anybody does have any, please feel free to throw it into the chat. We can always learn from each other. Right. Uh, but ar- around the same advice, um, I would really just try to understand, like, why is this happening? Like, uh, first line communication is always the most effective. So if you're comfortable with um, you know, coming forth and talking and having a discussion with your boss, like, hey, I feel that my work is being reflected in a degraded manner. Uh, like what, what can we do? Is there something I can do to help? Uh, and then of course, if nothing changes, we can always start to go back to the CEO. Cause obviously you're in that position for a reason. Somebody knows that you're
2: doing something really well. So, and I think we did get a response here. So Manju, you said, um, what if your work is superior? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. And that hopefully that happens to us, you know, like I, I hope to, I hope that my work is actually superior than my managers at some points in my life. Um, uh, that
1: makes a lot of sense. So that sounds like this is more about, you know, about the boss, as opposed to the, it's about the, what the boss is perceiving that you're getting, as opposed to what the boss thinks they should be getting. Yeah. Um, and then that's difficult, you know, I mean, and Chrissy, you're absolutely right. When we talked about this a little bit ahead of time, like it's a huge HR issue, right? Like this isn't necessarily something you should have to handle on your own. Mm. Okay. Um, so thank you for submitting that question. I know, and hopefully this will be you know, useful to you and it's you know, something you can take going forward to maybe help you out of that position or maybe help you at least understand a little bit where that person's coming from. Um, okay, so let's jump into our next question. And actually, I do want to highlight what Christy said. If we ask one of your questions and you want to add more context or if you've dealt with this and we haven't and you have you know, a, a key that you've tried to use before or something that worked for you in the past, please, please, please feel free to share. Um, I know that I tend to do this a lot too. So definitely, you know, we want to make sure that y'all's voices are heard as well. So please feel free to participate. Um, All right. So this next person has said, um, they wrote in saying, I'm a seasoned female in tech. More than once, I've had others, generally men, take credit for my contributions. How can I prevent this from happening? Or if it does, what can I do that doesn't leave me looking kind of whiny? And I think this is a pretty common refrain for a lot of people. It doesn't necessarily have to be along gender lines, but it can be really hard to make sure that you are getting credit for your ideas and your, your contributions, but you're also not looking like less than a team player. right? Um, and it can be a really hard line to tread. So what have, have either of you in, um, encountered this in the past when it was difficult to try and make sure that you got credit for the things that you had done?
2: I definitely think, yeah, there have been moments when there were ideas that I had that other people took credit for, Um, and I I was pretty direct in calling that out. Actually, so it's not that I called out the individual necessarily. I just said, actually, that was that I had that same idea, you know, x many months ago. I think that's a great idea. (laughs) Let's let's talk about how to put a plan in place. And here are some suggestions that I have to make that idea come to fruition and be successful. So I think it's kind of like sharing when you, when you were the innovator of the, of the idea, it's like, how do you then share? Don't, uh, I would say, don't be afraid to speak up, um, or shy away from ownership.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And then to Marcia's point, um, like in order to avoid being whiny, like there's definitely a lot of ways on how we can actually deliver the same message and for how you can control for how you're being perceived. So, for example, like I, I you know, no one's going to toot your own horn. Um, you you should definitely stand up for yourself and for your ideas, because uh, you are your best PR agent that you can have. But for for things where, okay, is this consistently happening to me? Am I constantly getting cut out of the circle? If so, how do I actually make sure that, you know, the work and the contributions that I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm being recognized for that effort? So you know, there's ways on how you can actually start to, to get back into that conversation. So for example, um, people are starting to run with your idea, you can start to say, okay, I, I have a lot of really great, um, great thoughts about how we can actually start to execute this, or I'd love to be considered, or, you know, lead some of the presentation for whatever we're doing. So that way, um, you know, you can also be part of that as well. But, hopefully those are just some of the ideas that we can start to throw around and understand, okay, well, how, how am I actually um, getting my opinion out there without being perceived as like whiny or complainy? So hopefully that helps.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also a really good thing to point out that like not everybody is comfortable with that confrontation, right? Even if you're trying to do it in a way that is um, not necessarily self-deprecating, but that's not like aggressive, it's mm-hmm. a really hard thing to do, especially if you're not naturally a confrontational person. Um, and so, you know, I kind of liked what we talked about earlier about the idea of like taking these metrics of like how well you're doing at something or, you know, for me, it was always having a paper trail, right? So if I brought up an idea in a, in a meeting and it, and it didn't really seem like it had landed, I would maybe follow up with that, you know, follow up that meeting with an email saying, hey, in case this wasn't super clear, this is what I was trying to talk about. And then that at least I would have like a paper trail saying like, you know, if somebody to try to take it, you know, take credit for my idea later on, I could say, well, really I had actually wrote, you know, wrote an email to the group asking about that, you know, at, after the meeting we had four weeks ago and I got kind of cricket. So if that's something you want to roll with now, I'm more than happy to help with it. You know, now that it has greater visibility um, because I thought this was such a great idea, however, however long ago. Um, so it could be, and I think that's also the thing that we have to kind of become comfortable with Taking credit, right? That's not really something that, as women, we're necessarily socialized to, um, you know, to, to strive for. Um, you're supposed to, you know, benefit the team, and you're supposed to be a team player, and every you're supposed to support everybody because that's what we do. And that's not always; it doesn't always help everyone that equally. Um, so I think you're right. It's definitely a situation where you kind of need to find what you're comfortable saying, and then find the medium in which you're comfortable saying it.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And one other thing to add, like as a leader, and I have quite a bit of folks that on my team where I would say that they declare themselves as introverts and maybe they don't really like to do these types of, you know, direct conversations either, but hopefully you're in a position where, you know, you, you have somebody that you can trust where you can give them this advice. Hopefully it's your boss, somebody else in a superior position where they can also start to pave the way for you and then make it a little bit easier to, to approach the topic too. Because I, I do this pretty often as a leader in my role today.
1: I love that. And actually, so something that occurs to me, I kind of wish I had started with this. I'm so sorry. Um, could could each of you talk a little bit about maybe what led you into the fields that you're in now? Because um, I feel like there's not, depends on, on what, you know, kind of like marginalized group you're talking about or what industry you're going into. But some people, you know, kind of they they gravitate towards these fields knowing that they're going to be a little bit of a fish out of water or they're going to be less than represented among their coworkers. and other people it's just kind of one of those things that happens. Um, So let's talk a little bit about your career journey and maybe what led you into a male-dominated field or what keeps you there.
2: Absolutely. So I, I definitely intentionally went into it knowing that I was going to be a minority in at my level especially or where I wanted my career to go um, but I was, I've always been very passionate about sales as a profession, which, not, which is not for everyone. So it is automatically a very kind of unique uh, personality trait or setting. Um, but I, I absolutely love it. And I had, I think one of the most important things is to start your career early, whether or not you know where you want to end up, to gather mentors around you all along the way. Um, that's been, back to Christy's point, you need sometimes people to help you speak up for yourself. Or to help you articulate and bounce these ideas off of. But mentors are truly some of my dearest friends now have been mentors I've had for over 20 years. Um, And some of them were females that were the only females in their at their level and in their in technology. And they helped me understand how to pave or navigate my way through things. And it hasn't been easy and I knew it wasn't going to be. Um, But it it certainly has been a lot of fun and it's very rewarding to, to break into that. And also now to be able to hire other other people, including females, that are more than qualified uh, to mix things up. Yeah, and then for me,
3: I uh, so I studied engineering in university. Um, It was a little bit of a different thing. I I didn't really know where I was going. My father basically was like, hey, this is the great industry you should be in. Why don't you do that? Uh, Previous before then, like high school, my entire life, I only was surrounded by women. And then I think my biggest realization when I knew that I was going to begin a male dominated industry is I was in a really large lecture hall in university. It was an electrical engineering course. There was about 400 people that were in there. And I was one of three women. (laughs) I think that was my realization. I was like, oh, these are all the people I'm going to work with now. So I should probably start to get used to it from here. Um, But uh, since then, I've always been in a technical field. Um, I actually I'm really blessed to say that like early on in my career, so not, well, for some people it may seem like a really long time ago, but when I first started my career, that was when there was still a lot of women that were very technical. They were still coders. Like my first mentor was a woman. Uh, I remember going out, like I was doing, a a sales engineering role, uh, as my first job out of school. And I had, uh, there was like distinguished engineers that were women that I was able to look up to. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of those folks retired and then it was, starting to be more male dominated. But I did get to see a little bit of that glimmer of like, hey, there's a ton of really technical women into this field that I can look up to. They were nurturing me. They were helping me through. Like I still keep in touch with some of them today, even though they're out of the field as it is. But I thought that that was really cool. And some folks don't remember, like that's literally what it used to be uh, in this industry. Most women were the coders back in like the 40s through the 60s, which is pretty incredible to, to just always remember that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I mean, and to Marcia's point, absolutely. Like taking and just finding people that you know you really respect, that they can start to grow you, that uh, can just give you comfort in any way, shape or form. Um, and then just being like your sounding board throughout the whole way is is super helpful to make sure that you' you're well supported even if you are, uh, let's say, uh, the only woman in, in your team.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So when you were starting out or even just when you were moving from company to company, did either of you feel like you had to prove yourself more capable than your male counterparts? Um, and I feel like this is something that's, it's very common, but not everybody absolutely always goes through it. And I feel like even when people do go through it, they, they go through it in different ways, right? Like I've heard people say like, well, yeah, I did, but also like it was a very competitive field. So I was just trying to prove myself more capable than everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So what has your experience been like with this idea? Christy, I'll let
3: you start. Yeah, no worries. So uh, as I mentioned before, early on in my career, I think I was mostly just blissfully ignorant and I had a lot of women that were surrounding me that were very senior. Uh, So I I don't think I ever thought that I needed to to prove myself out um, when I was early on in my career. Uh, as I switched a little bit more and went further along, it was it was definitely a little different. So I, I stayed in the pre-sales role so uh, for for quite a bit, and it was interesting because in the back of your mind, you're always like, hmm, are these people going to think that I'm just like the the note taker, or are they going to think that I actually am the person here that's going to help them code this stuff? <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was interesting, and definitely like trade shows. Um, I was always thrown on trade show booths and it was like stump the chump. Like seriously, it was just like, hmm, do you really know your stuff? I'm like, are you trying to prove something to yourself or what is that? Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I've honestly, have always tried to ignore this. Uh, I, I know that it is something that you tend to do, but as I've been a little bit further on in my career, um it's, it's actually kind of interesting to, to get people into a situation where they're like pleasantly surprised to see like your technical depth or whatever it is that you need to do to, to say that, hey, I, I, I belong here. Um, but, you know, whenever I walk into a meeting, even if it's with people I've never met before, maybe their clients or whomever, uh, I, I've always just try to ignore it and just do your thing. Like there's a reason why you're in the room, right? There's a reason why that you were invited, that you're talking and uh, your expertise that you're bringing to the table. And then for me, it's, it's always been kind of interesting because um, people would then just start to realize like, oh yeah, okay, this person knows her stuff. And then they just kind of move on and it's a moot point from there. But that's kind of what my experience has been. I, I really think it's all about how you present yourself. Um, and if you put a ceiling there, then it exists. But if you don't, then you don't have to worry about it. So. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: I, mean, I think I, that's a good point. Sorry, Marcia, go ahead, or Marcia, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, I was just gonna tag on to that. It's, it's a great point about, I think it takes, now listen, it, it takes time to build up that muscle to where you have the confidence to, to you know, not be intimidated by people doubting you right out of the gate. Um, so I will say that that Christy, like you, the blissful ignorance that you had in the beginning probably gave you a little bit of confidence to go out there and build that but absolutely right like it's i think being confident in yourself and just telling you know using your own personality you are very unique for a reason and not being afraid to be yourself is going to help you to navigate situations like that i mean i definitely my first job in sales in technology my manager who was a female actually she she told me look i, I you're never going to make it in the field unless we dye your hair brown, you know? So you need to, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do that, but I think I'll make, I know I'll make it. Um, and then, you know, when I actually applied recently at another position and I was going for a director, more than qualified years of, you know, attainment numbers behind me and references, they, the gentlemen that were interviewing me said, we just don't know if you can get the tech. <laughs> now, now, I just been hired from the same company that, many of my peers were hired from. So, you know, things like that, they do come up. And I think, you know, first it's a little bit, it's still to this day, it's still a little bit like alarming to like have someone say that, but but I know that I can, that I'm more than capable of doing my job. I know that I'm capable of learning um, if there are areas where I need to learn. Um, and I just have the confidence in myself now to say, again, to Chrissy's point, like, no, I decide where the ceiling is, not you. It's yeah, funny, I think-
3: I- oh, sorry. sorry, Meg. Somebody literally told me that I needed to cut my hair short <laughs> I first started my career too. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Right.
2: It's very long. No, so, no. <laughs> good for us. Mine's very blonde. Might not be natural, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, it's on your head. It's yours.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I think that's, those are really good points. And I
1: love Christy where you're saying like, you know, kind of don't put up those barriers in front of you because like they, they. You, you having like the right attitude might not be enough to to smash a glass ceiling that already exists there, but you're not doing yourself any favors by either bolstering it or creating one white where there might not be one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think plus it's, it's always one of those things where like if you run into the problem, like, you know, like if, if being blonde is perceived as somehow like a, you know, a liability in whatever position you're in, I find it most useful to get to that point. And when they're like, well, you know, maybe you should change blah, 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 or this would make you fit in more. That's usually when I kind of sit back and I'm like, oh, really? Do you think that that's a problem? Because like my work doesn't seem to echo that this is an issue. And I've, you know, had purple hair for the last two and a half years and I'm actually kind of crushing the game. So (laughs) is this really that much of a problem? Or are we maybe like making false equivalencies here? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: it's It's a good opportunity to be like, kind of turn it a little bit, but at least like come from like, People, you especially when I was young, the idea was like, well, like, you could just play dumb. Okay, I don't believe in playing dumb. I believe in <laughs> acting dumb when it suits you. Like Absolutely. if it is going to advance your cause or show somebody that how dumb they're being, boom, that is my happy place.
2: <laughs> dumb as a fox, as they say. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. All right. So In these, you know, in this this kind of like career journey that you you have both been on, um, did you did you ever feel like you really didn't belong in the area, or that you were like that you were supposed to be discouraged because of there was a lack of other women there, or was it not really? Did you not really think about it in those terms when you were going through it?
2: Yeah, I definitely definitely had moments where being the only female. I mean, I remember moments when my first technology job where I was in the field. So as sales progresses, you go from inside to outside. My first outside role, um, every morning, the lights in the ladies room didn't turn on until the first female walked in and they never turned. I would walk in and it was always dark. And it would be, if I had a doctor's appointment and I was showed up late that day, again, the lights, I would have to stand there and wave my hands because there was no one else on that, on the entire floor. And we're talking 3000 square feet. So yeah, there were moments when I had, um, you know, where my male bosses were needed me to prove myself and and I was very much alone and that was very obvious. Um, but over time, I just continued to focus on my work and my career and how passionate I was about what I believed in. And again, I think you have to leverage your mentors and also have you know, faith in your own personality and, and who you are.
3: Yeah, and for me, it's funny because I used to always say I was like, "Oh, the women's restroom, my private bathroom. Like, I could just leave my stuff all over the place and exactly. no one would
2: touch it." might <laughs> um, to be an advantage, actually.
3: Yeah, totally. It's always clean, you know. Um, but yeah, there was. I remember I struggled with this a lot when I was um, when I was in my twenties. I, I I do remember the point where you know like you're all just friends, right? But then people start to get married. Like then you have to make sure that you know you're not overstepping boundaries. There isn't any type of like weird rumor mill that you want to ever propagate. Um, so then there's obviously like a separation that that starts to resonate between the male and female uh, sexes. Uh, you know, but it, what I, I just remember that like. Um, we used to go on the road a lot of times, and then it, it was kind of like, oh, the you know, we we all had to pair up and do um, like presentations or something like that. Uh, so all all the the folks that were they just had like let's say all males, they would all go to another one of the hotel rooms and then start to powwow. But if there was ever a woman that was in the group, they're like, let's meet in the lobby, and then the lobby would shut down, and then you're like, well, I guess we're done for the day. <laughs> versus, you know, the all male teams, they were able to work throughout the night to, to get some of these things done. Um, but, you know, it, it's just something that I feel, maybe I, I I just always thought that we would always be on a level playing ground. It was probably my blissful ignorance uh, when I was younger, always thinking that, you know, hey, we're all just here to be friends. There's, there's nothing else that's intended here other than we just got to get this stuff done, uh, like how you are when you're in college or university, right? Um, but then, you know, as you get older, you notice you're like, yeah, it's everyone's going to assume like if you you went to a call co- like to dinner with a colleague who is of the other sex as you and then they're just going to assume that you're together like you're married. <laughs> so I mean I'm okay with that now like I don't really care honestly what other people think and I I don't you know obviously I'm a professional version of myself in those types of situations um so it's not really uh, something that I think about but I remember it was really hard for me to just realize like yeah you're different so we have to behave differently but um to, to kind of round it out um like now today so It's interesting because like, I'll literally play the card, like to your point, Meg, like play the cards that you have. Like, I know for a fact that when men are together in a room and let's say there's not a female that's, that's in there, they talk to themselves very differently, sometimes very aggressively. And then I remember walking into a room, then the energy level just kind of like went down to a more sane level. And I tell people this all the time. I was like, I will literally play. My like be softer to me because I'm a female card 100% of the time (laughs) if if people are not going to be jerks to me like I'll do that 100% of the time Uh. oh yeah well so it kind of reminds me and it it actually plays it really nicely to the next
1: question but it reminds me of this thing I heard on NPR this weekend um this woman I'm not going to remember her name I'm so sorry um she uh she was talking about the the idea of um the imposter syndrome versus, what is her name? Her name's Christy Pichichero. And she, invi- she invented this term called discriminatory gaslighting, which I thought was absolutely amazing. I listened to the whole thing like three, to, three times over because I was like, this is just fascinating. And it kind of goes to what you're talking about, Christy, where it's like, everything's fine and everybody's treated the same until all of a sudden they're not. And it kind of highlighted the idea between, uh, you know, kind of the, the gray area between like, feeling like you need to change your behavior or change what you're doing to suit the situation. And then the idea that like that thought occurring to you is not because of you don't, you know, you're doubting how you're behaving. It's because other people around you are making you feel like maybe you should doubt the way you're, that you're behaving, which, you know, sometimes it's how we socialize people and it's, it's a helpful tool to learn like, you know, kind of the, um, how you can weigh these kinds of things. But when you're just starting out, it's really difficult to know whether this is a, like valid, like pr- pr- um, constructive criticism or it's not. And so the idea that, yeah, you you have to act a certain way because not only are you now in mixed company as it were, but you're also like somehow you're more responsible for what everybody's gonna say about the interaction than the other person is just because of gender is wild. Right? And it's mm-hmm. like, I get having a little bit more respect for people or make, making sure that your boundaries are more firm, but like that's not just on one person, right? That has to be on everybody. That's part of the social contract. Um. Yeah, all right, so to shift this question over, this person I wanted to know about if if either of you have either struggled with this imposter syndrome, or do you think that it's more frequent in women? So I'm really interested to see what y'all have to say about this.
3: Um, yeah, uh, I think, it- honestly, everybody struggles with imposter syndrome. Like I struggle with it today. Uh, I I was actually in my previous life at another company. I remember speaking with my CEO and he was like, yeah, I I have imposter syndrome too. And I was like flabbergasted because, you know, C-level executives, they normally have so much confidence. They have to exude for their entire team to follow suit. But I mean, it's real, right? Like, no, everyone's just like, how did I even get here? (laughs) But uh, I honestly do feel like most people struggle with imposter syndrome. Some people will expose it a little bit more than others. Um, And then to answer the question, is it more frequent in women? I would say that women probably just vocalize it more, but like there's, there's a ton of men that I know that deal with this every single day. Um, But yeah, that's. From my
2: perspective i agree i think that i think there are a ton of men that struggle with it and they might not i think they handle it in a very different way men and women i think would handle those emotions very differently sometimes and i think that's where we we probably see the disconnect um but i think i think most people struggle with it and it's probably not a it's a normal thing to struggle with right like it's not it's it's kind of i mean i would love to say that we're always you know a million percent confident but but there are moments in your life where you realize like, okay, I'm just a human being. Um, and, and I think you should embrace that. But I there was a question- in the, more. Go ahead, sorry. I, I, saw, I, I saw a question in the chat. I wanted to make sure that we- Yeah, actually I'm in the midst of a-
1: answering Nina right now, but we can go th- switch to that if you'd like. Um, so Nina had asked um, what tips you might have for people starting new jobs, especially in the remote world. Um, now I know that depending on, being the one or being the only in the room, you know the idea that you are the only one is a little bit more heightened when you're in a physical space. But have you um, experienced this, in, you know, at all or more so in the remote space, um, especially in the last year and a half?
2: Yeah, I think I think I start so I started here at Datadog remotely and I uh, during COVID at the beginning of COVID, and I do think that it I have struggled with it a little bit. I think I have a much better handle on it now. Um, it is. A, I was the only female for a while and then B, I think it's challenging to build kind of rapport that you'd like to build. So I do have some tips. I I think I finally was able to really harness some different organizational tips that helped me personally to make sure that I was building the respect and the rapport with like my management that I needed to have. So I'll give you, I mean, this sounds so lame but it's really helped me a lot if you want a tip. Um, is before I would go into a meeting, especially when you're back to back on Zooms, I would send out an agenda, a a proposed agenda, like to my manager. So let's say he just said, we're gonna have our one-on-one and it's a standing one-on-one every week. If there was no agenda that he set forth, I would propose an agenda and say, hey, this is just a proposal. But that way we stayed, not that we didn't, we would open up and have banter and talk, but he felt comfortable knowing what he was walking into virtually. And I felt like I was offering something that he had to kind of ground himself when he entered the, the virtual setting that we were in together. Um, I highly recommend that.
1: I love that idea, Christy. Have you ever used something similar?
3: Yeah, for so for my team, uh, like we have a mix of introverted folks, extroverted folks. Um, I would say two thirds of my team, honestly, because we've we've hired during COVID, so like I know I have a, a another woman on my team this is her one year anniversary and she has not yet met another person at Datadog which is just blowing my mind because she's just been so successful in the role um <laughs> but one of the things that we did is I actually kind of took this in place just because you know, with engineering personalities um you know I don't want to to just say hey go out and meet the team we're all helping each other and just figure it out so i actually started to embed it inside of our onboarding process so Mm -hmm. instead of folks just being like oh i have to make the first move and like ask them if i can meet with them um i actually started to say hey this is what your assignment is this week meet with X, Y, and Z people. And then that way they can kind of be your buddy for the the week one. And then we kind of rotated it for, you know, up to six weeks. And then there's really good rapport and it's worked really well, honestly, for, for, for that, because you're, you're kind of assigned and then there's still a lot of room for just like organic rapport building along the way. Uh, but that's the whole idea is that's what I want to foster inside of my, my team environment is that we're always here to help each other. Uh, we're constantly throwing ideas. You know, even if you think that it's stupid, likely somebody else is going to uh, think the same thing uh, that, hey, my question was stupid. I'm not going to ask it, but I want to be able to create that supportive environment so people don't feel that they're just holding themselves back. So, so far it's helped really well, but maybe that's something that, you know, I'm not sure if you're in a leader position or or not, but it could be something that you could start to incorporate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um at Power to Fly, we've always been remote and distributed. So I've I've gotten to travel, at least prior to COVID, pretty extensively for work, which was really great. So I've met like five different people I work with, but there's plenty of us that have not met anyone. And then there's an entire group of, of team members down in um Argentina. Who have all met each other and like used to have co-working days and that kind of stuff like before, um, you know, obviously pre-COVID. So it is kind of wild. And what I've learned from all of it is that, you know, it doesn't. It's not that it's impossible. It just takes a little bit of different planning. It's not harder. It's just thinking in terms of you know interactions or things that would happen kind of organically because you're all in the same location but a little bit. It just requires a little bit more forethought of like, how are we gonna make this happen? Even though we're not gonna like, you know, I'm not gonna like walk past your office on the way to the water cooler. Okay, so then how do we kind of, you know, encourage that kind of stuff? So with Powerfly, we use the Donut app because we have got Slack, and so we just use Donut to uh, to pair us for kind of get to know you chats with new team members. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The um the onboarding process of like reaching out to people, like making LinkedIn connections, even with different people in the org chart is like part of our onboarding. So yeah, I think that's, you're right. It's, it's just making making things a little bit more, not necessarily formal, but like making a little bit more of like a way to check and make sure these things are happening because they would be happening a little bit more organically if you were all in physical location. Yeah. And Lauren's actually chiming in saying that the, the sales team at Datadog uses Donut too, and they really like yes. it. So I love Donut, it's great. Um, all right. So this next person wanted to know, how can I promote or brag about my work and ideas with confidence around my managers? I'm really looking forward to climbing the ladder. I feel like this can be really tricky um, depending on maybe what you're trying to highlight or where you're trying to, like how you're trying to climb, how fast, where you're trying to go, that kind of thing. Um, but what what experience do y'all have around this, around like, you know, trying to to make sure that you are not necessarily just getting credit for your ideas, but like talking to the right people about them, I guess?
2: Well, I typically, not just jump, I'm sorry, Christy, for jumping in first all the time over here. Um, I, I kind of like to look at it, take a step back, and look at it from, OK, um, from my organization standpoint, what are our top KPIs? Where are we trying to be as an organization? You know, Is it revenue, et cetera, and so forth? Like, What are the key metrics, customer retention, so on and so forth? And then I kind of drill that down to what would my manager be responsible for? What is my leadership responsible for? And then I know what I've been told, but I kind of try to think about it from that framework so that when I come to my management team, I can show data again, back to the data of like, here are the key metrics that I've been looking at. And I think they might tie up to the KPIs for our organization and how does that help you? So I almost try to, I really try to make sure that I'm in line with the KPIs of the organization, the strategy, all the way down to maybe I'm doing something very tactical with my team delivering revenue. Um, But I try to make sure that that aligns with my management's goals and then how they can tell that story all the way up.
3: Yep. Uh, Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, honestly, the the data, that's the thing that Like even the leadership team will have to go and defend for any type of a promotion. Um, So if if you make the job easy for them, it's uh, one step down, right? But that being said, um, I know a lot of folks on my team do this. Uh, I've done it before as an individual contributor as well. If you do have published rubrics, where, Hey, this is what I need, or this is what we look for in this type of a role. That's just, you know, one step above Uh, the easiest way to get promoted is to already act like as if you are in that role. Cause then everybody's just like, yeah, that made sense. Um, But even some of the soft skills, right? Like what are some of the traits that you look for? So I'm not sure if you are thinking about continuing to climb on the individual contributor path, or even making the shift over onto the leadership side. But I mean, it's, for for me, it's some of the same characteristics that I look for every time. Like, is this person really good at mentoring? Because the further up that you go, the more that you continue to try to teach the others that are around you, leadership position or, or not. Um, are they really good at like teamwork? or you know do they have an ability to influence? Uh, can they communicate effectively? Uh, those are just some of the things. But I would offer that advice: is just check out and see. Like, okay, I want to be at this level. What are all the other people that are at that level doing today are there any things that i could get should i get feedback from them how can i grow in towards that direction are there opportunities that i can look for to make sure that you know i'm solidly like an actual candidate for once that role opens up
1: no i love that idea of like kind of acting like you have the the role already i think that's a really great way to do it um i was told by a prior manager oh God, like four jobs ago maybe um that every time I get good feedback from, you know, from a client or from a coworker or something um, that I should create a kudos folder for it. So what I've done is I have, um, I have a, a, like a separate folder in my Gmail and it's, um, it's got a, like a rule set up with it so that if I, uh, what I do is I'll take the email, like somebody said like, hey, you did a really great job on that chat yesterday. I will mail it to myself and I'll change the subject line to kudos and then it automatically gets fed into that email. So that way I don't have to, you know, I don't have to worry about what's in there or what's not, or what did that person say? Who was the person that had that really great feedback for me on blah, 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 like four months ago. So it's already there. And I use it for a couple different things. Partially it's personal. Just so that way, if I'm like having a real down day, I'm like, no, 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 I don't actually suck at this. I'm really good. And these people all think I'm really good. And here's why. But then it also works like really well for, you know, review time. So that way you can know and have like, you know, stats at your fingertips to say like, oh yeah, people, like people definitely think I'm doing a great job at such and such and this and that. Um, I've even had speakers tell me that that's the kind of stuff that they forward to their boss, like saying, hey, isn't this great feedback from this person? Or I'm so happy that they're so pleased with the product we were able to deliver, blah, blah, blah. Um, Nina's in the chat saying, I would highly recommend people look into learning to brag better so that women can learn to speak about their wins because it's something that we are not really taught to focus on, which is absolutely true. Um, so it looks, it looks like Nina, I think she said that's a book, um, that she's read. Nina, you want to chime in on that?
0: Uh, it's, so I haven't had the chance to read the book, but the woman who wrote it, I would have to look it up. She. Um, has been going on like quite a press tour I would say in the last few months and when I was and like when I have been job searching I felt like the ways that she said it was similar to what you're talking about Meg she had suggested at the end of a week or at the end of two weeks or whatever it takes to just put the time onto your calendar and sit down and write down those wins even in a Word document because then when you you know not only as Christy said like for reviews or other things that comes up it's nice to have and also unfortunately like if the time comes you know to or fortunately um comes to like change out your job uh, depending on the situation uh you can really take advantage of that but I think I've really noticed that there isn't that judgment that comes from like the male uh kind of like group around bragging but when you are talking to other women, sometimes you have to feel like you're changing a little bit of how you speak to that. So I feel like yeah. as a young uh, woman in my career, like five years out of college, that's something I'm also like really focused on making sure that I do well from the start and and not just learn when it's kind of like too late.
1: <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that book idea. Um, I I just I think I found it. It's called um, Mastering the Art of Fearless Self Promotion by Meredith Feynman, I think. So I grabbed a link for that and threw it into the chat in case anybody else is interested. But thank you, Nina, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Okay, so we've got a little less than 15 minutes left in the chat. These always go incredibly quickly. So if you have another question that you would like to get asked, please, please, please feel free to come off mute and ask it. You can also put um, a note in the chat or you can DM me directly and I'm happy to raise the question for you.
0: I'm also um, pretty sure that woman has a podcast. Sorry. I wanted oh, to, you, uh, nice. I always love plugging like those kind of topics as um, podcasts. Cause I think we're all just trying to figure out how to make time for, for reading anything.
1: Find yourself a good podcast. Your house will never be cleaner. I'm telling you it's amazing. I like, I don't like cleaning the bathrooms. I don't like cleaning like stovetop and all that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, man, pop in a good podcast and it is Big and span. It's lovely. You kind of turn your brain off clean without thinking about it. It's wonderful. Um, all right, so let's keep going on some of the questions that y'all had submitted. Um, and again, please feel free to jump in if you have questions or you know a different question you'd like to ask. Please feel free. Um, this person wants to know, what has experience taught you
2: to keep striving for in your career aspirations? I, I think I continue to strive not to be perfect, but to be the, frankly, the best leader to my team that I can be. Um, I do, you know, there's a balance between managing up, which we're kind of talking about here today, but then also ensuring that you're making an impact on the people around you. And I think for me, I'm always looking at how can I help them do their job in a way that allows them to feel more fulfilled at the end of the day. And that that is it's truly it sounds cheesy, but that's truly what I what I aspire to do. Yeah,
3: that's a great one. Um one of the things that really motivates me, so I was actually individual contributor for a really long time. Sometimes without my my will, <laughs> everyone was like, just continue to grow. Like as an individual contributor, you're great. Like this is how you're gonna progress. And I was like, but I really want to get into leadership, um, but honestly, when I look back at it now, it it was it was great because I was able to to grow underneath a lot of leaders that were really strong that, you know, pulled me underneath their wing, and I learned a lot about like what great leaders are and what are some of the properties that I want to exude when I become a leader. Uh, so that's how I would answer this question. Um, the things that I would love to aspire to is for the folks you know, that are individual contributors, like how can I get you to the point where you've really maximized your, your career potential, like that you've showcased all of your strengths, that, you know, your reputation is now preceding you because you've just been like kicking butt everywhere that you've gone. Um, Cause those are the things that I really appreciated when, you know, I, I wasn't a leader yet. Uh, so that's what I tried to do with all the folks that are on my team that, that want to take that opportunity.
1: I think that's just great. Um, I'm sorry, we're getting so many good questions coming in, so I'm trying to make sure we're gonna, gonna hopefully get to as many as we can. Um, do you have any tips on how to handle it when you feel like what you're saying is either dismissed or not met very kindly from the rest of the team? Um, I feel like this is important, both from a leadership role, as well as when you are still a met, like, you know, just another member of the team and you're not really feeling like you're being heard. Um, have either of you ever faced
0: a situation like this? Christy, do you have,
1: have an example top of mind? Um, I have one I can, I can start to share in case that'll help with the, with the two of you. But I know people come to hear what you have to say, not to hear what I have to say. So
3: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Go for it, Meg. We'll give yeah, some time, time to think.
1: <laughs> so I had, unfortunately, a terribly toxic boss um, three jobs ago. And one of the things that came about pretty pretty early on was that he he didn't really want to hear my ideas unless they were following in line with what his ideas were. Um, and I specify his gender because it was definitely part of it for him. It was a shock to me because having been you know having coming from a lot of fields where I was very much almost always surrounded by men. It was a shock to me because I'd had better, you know, better supervisors before who also, you know, shared the same like chromosomal makeup as this man, and it was not at all what I was expecting. Um, and what helped for me was to come back and at like react because I'm not great in the moment, but but to like react with a question. So I would say something like, you know, I don't understand why you're so upset about this. I just asked blah 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 blah. Or can we take a step back because I think I'm confused on what's going on here you know, why, why is it okay for this person to specify this, but it's not okay for me to say it. Um, And coming back to that question place, it, it helped me because I knew something wasn't right. And I didn't quite know how to vocalize. Like, you shouldn't treat me like this. You shouldn't do this just because I'm a woman, but it helped me to be able to kind of like put it back on him and try and lead from a place of curiosity so that I was not making the same mistake that he was. I was not assuming that I knew everything about the situation and assuming that like, this is how I was being treated just because this is how I was perceiving it um, and kind of putting it on him to explain what was going on. Because if he wasn't gonna, if he he wasn't just going to, if there were real reasons why he wasn't loving my ideas or didn't wanna hear what I had to say, I wanted to know those, but I was pretty sure there weren't any reasons other than you don't have as much going on in your pants in your pants as I do. Like, it was just bizarre. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that helps anybody else. I hope hope it does. Um, but yeah, Marcia or Christy, either of you have anything you'd like to add before we uh, keep going?
2: I'm good on that one. You, you nailed it. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, the only other thing that I'd add is like, I, I still think about it this way, even though it's been years since I was in like the university setting is, you know, like, half of the time, if you're trying to like nail that A or like that perfect score, you're really honestly looking at the personality of the professor that's there. I, I continuously think about it today too. I don't know why it's maybe just a competitive nature of myself. Um, but I'm always just like, what is this person looking for? Like, how do I read this person? Um, and and maybe that's just another thing that we'll have to take out of the toolkit and just continue to work. Right. Is like, how do I work with this type of a personality and how do I adapt to it?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. That, that questioning of like, what are they actually looking for? Or why would they do this? Because it was one of those things that was like one of those stupid, like Instagram quotes or something. But like I, it, when I read it, it was kind of like a bolt of like of lightning, where it said something about how people aren't anti you, they are pro themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it kind of helps, at least for me, it's, it's very along the same lines of like, don't take it personally, because it's not about you they are doing what they think they need to do to make themselves successful. They're not doing everything they think they should do to take you down, that's not the point. And if they are, fine, let, you're living rent-free in their head anyway, so just let them do whatever they wanna do. But it helped me a lot to try and put myself, not necessarily in that person's shoes, but be like, okay, what are they actually going after right now? Because most likely they are not spending all of their time figuring out how to keep me from succeeding, they just want themselves to succeed. So if you can focus on that and focus on like the team's success, which should be a good like rep, you know um, a good representation of their own success as well, you get to highlight either that they are only thinking of themselves or that they are undercutting the team in their um, you know in their pursuit of that perceived success. Um, all right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I feel like I'm grandstanding a lot on this one. Um, so in the five minutes that we have left, or four minutes now, I guess. I just want to kind of circle back around to a little bit more about Datadog. So um, we had, let's see here, we have these questions that we try and ask um, most of our participants about. And I'm excited to put them to you. um, And we can do it like a kind of like a popcorn session, like real quick. Um, How would each of you describe the company culture at Datadog if you only had one word to use?
2: Energetic. (laughs) Yeah? Christy, what about you?
0: I would say
3: helpful.
1: Oh, I like that. All right. So, Marcia, um, what is, what led you to say energetic?
2: I would have said driven, except for energetic is probably more encapsulating of like um, people are are motivated by different things. And I, I but I would say, comp are I feel even joining DataDog remotely and during COVID, I feel the energy from my teammates from. Product from all different sides of the organization.
1: I love that it can be. um, It's one of those things that can be really interesting to hear what people really like about a company because I I've sat in a lot of these and you hear all kinds of answers. (laughs) So that's really great. I love the idea of being driven, but you know, not not necessarily like a singular focus. You know, like like driven for success, but but really. You know, inclusive of everybody that's there, that's on the team, that's helping to make that a reality. That's awesome. Um, What is your favorite part about working at Datadog?
3: The people, for sure.
2: Yeah, I would have to. I would have to say the same thing. Definitely the people. This one is also a really
1: popular answer because it just (laughs) well, it goes to show that like you know, you spend all this time at your job, and like if you don't love what you do, that's a long day. But like if you love, if you are really not even necessarily love, if you are really able to collaborate and rely on the people that you're with and lean on them for support and help them out too, like that's huge. That's a wonderful workspace right there. Yep. I love it. All right. So last thing, what are your top tips for somebody who is interested in applying to Datadog or interviewing at Datadog? For me, um, I would just
3: always just say, you know, just make sure that people know that you're curious, that you have a hunger for learning, that you're a great team member and a collaborator as well. Uh, Because honestly, like, especially if you're going into a technical field, you're never going to know everything. Like this industry changes so quickly. Like my knowledge is from five years ago is so antiquated at this point, but do you have the, the willingness to continue to learn and the curiosity to understand it? Uh, that's always something that I always feel is like the highest part of what I look for.
2: I Christy, you totally took the one word that I use all the time. No, it's no, it's perfect, but I, I have another word to add to that. But um, even from the sales side of things, like I'm looking for if I'm hiring an AE for the field, I want I I'm definitely looking for curiosity, just natural curiosity, not just about Datadog and and or their customers, but just life in general, right? How does that present itself? But the other thing I would add to that is I look for. A combination of curiosity and humility, um, because those are the most transparent things that will come across to not only their teammates, but also our customers.
1: Yeah, I love that. OK, so in the last minute we have, I'm going to show a slide right here. This is about some of the open positions there are at Datadog. Um, as we talked about a little bit earlier in today's session, um, they have 416 open roles right now. I'm going to share that link again for where you can go check out their company page. Um, to check out out some of these open roles. Um, Are any of them, uh, any roles that either of you can speak to, you know, hiring on your own team or in your department, that kind of thing?
2: Enterprise sales executive, like that's not my team, but that would be um, one of my peers. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's an amazing, there's so much opportunity, especially in that region right now, that I will say that that is a very sought after um, role within the organization. Um, not only internally, but also from external candidates, Um, but there's just a a great amount of opportunity for someone in that region specifically, if they really want to advance their career and take more ownership.
3: Very cool. Christy, how about you? Yeah, so um, the sales engineering roles, not specifically on my team here at Datadog, but it is something that I started my career, and honestly, I had no idea what a sales engineer actually did until somebody told me about it because I always thought I was just going to code all day long, because that's what I did as engineering in school. Um, but sales engineering, honestly, it's a, it's a great uh, position to even start your career in, or even if you're very senior. like It's a great launching pad. You, you talk with so many different teams. You get so much exposure around the entire organization. Um, but if you've never heard about what a sales engineer does, you should definitely check it out for sure. Yeah,
1: I love that. I love the idea of kind of getting to know the the company in more of a global area, like, uh, you know, as a a whole, as opposed to just, you know, kind of being siloed into your singular department or your singular team. So that's great. Um, All right, so we are out of time for today. However, I just wanna say a huge thank you to Christy and Marcia. Um, Thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your experience uh, with our community it's it's been wonderful to learn from both of you um, over the course of the last hour. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you all. Um, and again, a huge thank you to our attendees. You guys submitted some amazing questions ahead of today's session. I'm so sorry we weren't able to get to all of them, but I'm so so grateful to everybody that came off mute to participate, um, put questions and comments in the in the, the Zoom thread. That was so awesome. Um, it just makes these events so much more um, personal. Uh, to get to hear from you all directly. So thank you so much for that. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday, and I hope that it won't be long before we see you, um, you know, joining us for another virtual event. Uh, So please uh, have a wonderful week, and can't wait to see many more of you soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you.